It's good to be back. Thank you, thank you. Been rehearsing that all week. Well, um, firstly, it is really great to be back this morning, and I would just like to express how thankful I am to our tech team that work pretty tirelessly week in, week out, because I've been away, and I've been able to watch all the messages from this series from all different places in the world, and that's been pretty incredible. So technology is an amazing thing, is it not? Yep. And if you've missed any of the messages from this series, I'd encourage you to go back and to check them out, get caught up. We've heard um, some great teaching from a variety of different people, some real experts in the field of social justice. So um, it's been great, and I'd encourage you to go back and to listen to those messages. And I hope over the past six weeks, you've been challenged by the fact that social justice and holiness are inextricably linked. We can't have one without the other. It's a lifestyle for those who call themselves followers of Jesus. It's not just a list of issues or problems in our world, but it's how we choose to live. And we're called to join with God on his mission and be part of bringing his kingdom to earth. And over the last few weeks, you've learned about some principles of social justice, four of them. Does anyone remember what any of those principles are? If you've been studying them in life group, you might remember. Anyone got any? This is like a test, guys. I've been gone and you're supposed to be listening. And Anyone? No, it's okay. I'll give you a refresher. This is a bit awkward. So the first principle that we learned about a few weeks ago um, with Arsini was including the excluded. We're caring for outsiders. We're to look for people who have been marginalised and realise that actually we know better. We know the truth and therefore we should treat people with kindness and respect and include them in the same way that God includes us. In week, in week number th- four, which is the second principle, we looked at challenging cultural practices, recognising that actually we've been set apart as followers of Jesus, and we've been called to live differently. We shouldn't just go with the cultural flow. We're able to call things out that are wrong in our society, and hopefully we're to set an example of how we're supposed to be better. We took a look at principle number three, which is confronting the powerful. We can challenge unjust behaviour and confront the spiritually arrogant and hopefully stand up to people who are in political power. We can also advocate for the oppressed. This was last week. We can speak up for those who can't, the outsiders, the weak. We can be part of freeing people from oppression in our society. And this morning, we're wrapping up our Kingdom Come series by asking ourselves a very simple question. What about us? What does all of this mean for us as 21st century salvationists in Wollongong? What does it look like to represent the kingdom of God, to live out these principles in our lives every day? And so we learned all the way back in week one when Casey was here that Jesus came to announce and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And our role on earth as followers as him is the same as that. We are to announce and demonstrate what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like to show people what it looks like when his kingdom is actually present. But, you know, at the root of all of these things that we've been talking about across the past six weeks, all of these great principles, the, the key message is the same. It's all about people. It's all about people. People matter to God, and therefore people should matter to us. So I want you to turn to our scripture this morning that Kyle read from Zechariah 7, 1 to 10. He thinks that I set him up because there was lots of hard words in it this morning. I didn't mean to, but it was kind of funny. Um, but I think it gives us some insight, I suppose, on what God wants from us. 
Because social justice, it's not about ritual, it's not about program, it's not about religious practice. It's about the hearts and the minds of God's people and how those attitudes come out in their behaviour towards others. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Zechariah chapter 7. See, what's happening in this chapter, in chapter 7, is that the people of Israel had this question to ask the priests. In verse 3, we see that the question is, should we plan for a day of mourning and abstinence next August, the 70th anniversary of Jerusalem's fall, as we have been doing all of these years? See, to understand the context of this question, we have to know a little bit of background information. So ever since the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 586 BC, the Israelite captives in Babylon, they were keeping four separate feasts commemorating the breach of the walls in Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. So during this 70th year of captivity in the fifth month, the captives had returned and the people wanted to know if they should keep going with these fasts, that these ceremonies that they'd sort of developed. And they asked, well, should we go on fasting like we have for all of these years? Should we keep going? And I think that they think in this moment that God is going to be impressed by all the fasting that they've been doing and these big ceremonies that they've established. But God's response is a little bit cheeky here, perhaps a little bit sarcastic. In verse 4 to 6, God gives Zechariah this response. When you held days of fasting every fifth and seventh month, all these 70 years, were you doing it for me? And when you held feasts, was that for me? Hardly. You're interested in religion. I'm interested in people. You're interested in religion. I'm interested in people. In other words, the Lord is saying to the people, actually, I never ordered these fasts to begin with. They were weeping and fasting over the judgment that God had brought upon their fathers because their fathers had actually disobeyed the words of the Lord. And they'd set them up as these religious holidays with all these ceremonies and rituals surrounding them, holidays that actually God had never ordained. He'd never established them. He'd never asked them to do it. And God didn't recognize them. He didn't really care because they'd missed the point. They'd missed the point of his teaching and the teaching of those who had come before them. And, you know, I didn't really think it was wise to draw your attention to any specific stories this morning, but I don't know if you're a, a parent or maybe a husband or a wife, and you can think of some time when someone in your life did something that they thought was going to impress you, but actually they neglected to do the very basic thing that you asked them to do. Can you think of a time that that's happened? They thought what they were offering was super impressive, but actually they'd overlooked your basic instruction. And these people say, well, shall we continue? And God says, I didn't ask you to do it in the first place. You know, they weren't true fasts to me. It would have been better if you'd just taken a day where you really sat down and reflected and you would have realised that what really happened was because of your parents' disobedience. And the people were sitting there year after year grieving the loss of the temple. But what they should have been looking at is the unrepentant heart of their fathers that caused the loss of that temple. They should have been grieving the fact that they didn't listen to God. They'd set up these holidays, but really God had never ordered them to do that. It was so easy for the people to get hooked in these religious practices, but the reality was it didn't matter to God because at the end of the day, the people weren't living day in, day out as God had called them to live. They weren't treating people well. They weren't caring for one another. 
They weren't helping people that were in need. And God sees right through them. And, you know, he sees right through us when we do the same thing, when we get caught up in religion or program and we actually just forget about people. Don't get me wrong, I believe in the social work of the Salvation Army. I really do. I believe in the programs we have in place. I believe in the fundraising that we do, the principles that we've developed. But at the end of the day, what God cares about is people. And what he wants from us is not that we do religion well, but that we treat people well. See, we can be the best red shield appeal door knocker in the whole entire world. But if a homeless person comes in, and we treat them with judgment or disrespect, we've missed the point. We can let everyone know how much we've sacrificed to give to the offering or the self-denial appeal this year. But if we exclude people by the way that we talk or live or behave, we've missed the point. We can button up our fancy uniform, we can pray articulately, sing beautifully, but actually, if we take advantage of people, or we tear people down, even in our own community, we've missed the point. If we claim to know God and to follow Jesus, then we have to love and care about people as well. And just as he did with his people then, God sees through our empty actions. He knows when we're caught up in religion, when we're not focused on people. And I think when we reflect, certainly when I do about the petty things that I get caught up in, in the religious things that I sometimes get caught up in, I hear God saying, Sarah, that's great, but that's not what I asked you to do in the first place. And if the things that I'm doing and the religious practices that I'm caught up in, if they cause me to overlook the hurting and the broken and the marginalised and the oppressed, then I've missed the point. I'm not impressing God with my fancy ceremonies or rituals. So I want to challenge you this morning to really look and reflect on your life and to ask yourself if you're interested in religion or if you're truly interested in people. What's the priority in your life today? Does your behaviour and your actions reflect that? So God, through the prophet Zechariah, he calls the people out. But he doesn't just leave them hanging here. He gives them this very clear outline of how he wants them to live. And I love how this next part is worded, right? In verse 7, he says, There's nothing new to say on the subject. Don't you still have the message of the earlier prophets from the time when Jerusalem was still a thriving, bustling city and the outlying countryside, the Negev and the Shephelah was populated? Well, the message hasn't changed. I think God is pretty funny sometimes. Sometimes I read my Bible and I think, you're hilarious, God. He really has pushed back a little bit sarcastically already. And now he says, come on, guys, I have nothing new to say on this topic of justice and how you treat other people. I've already told you how to live justly. And, you know, I think it's kind of funny. I think a little maybe arrogantly sometimes we make this assumption that social justice is this new concept that people have invented to save the world. But in fact, this stuff have, has been central to God's message and to God's people since the very beginning. And now, thousands of years later, there's still nothing new to say on this subject. In fact, it still kind of amazes me that we continue to get it wrong after all these years. The scripture tells us that in verse 10, we should treat one another justly. Love your neighbour, be compassionate with each other. 
Don't take advantage of the widows, orphans, visitors and the poor. Don't plot and scheme against one another. That's evil. It's nothing new. It wasn't then and it isn't now. We're called to live justly. We're called to show mercy and compassion on people, to show love and kindness, not take advantage, not plot evil against one another. You know, we can word it differently, we can pitch it differently, we can dress it up a little bit more creatively, but the heart of the matter is still the same. There is so much injustice in our world. And we're called by the way we live to be part of the solution. Those Israelite people were called to be part of the solution. Jesus' disciples were called to be part of the solution. And we are called to do the same, to care about people, to treat one another justly. In fact, it's the very heartbeat of our movement as the Salvation Army. And it's one of the reasons why I love to be a part of the Salvation Army. I want to read for you a story this morning one that many of you have probably heard before, but one that encourages us to get going in joining in God's mission here on earth. Very late one night, in fact, it was so late that it was actually early in the morning in the year 1888, William Booth, the general of the Salvation Army, returned to London from a campaign in the south of England. He tried to sleep, but he couldn't. His son, Bramwell Bruce, he arrived to see William early next morning and was taken back to see his father looking troubled. William was walking to and fro, his braces hanging, his hair was a mess. And upon seeing Bramwell, burst out at him, Bramwell, do you know that there are these men sleeping outside at night under the bridges, sleeping out all night on the stone? Bramwell responded, well, yes, General, you didn't know that? William was stunned. He'd seen these men huddled on the benches the night before and consequently out of concern for these men, he'd been able to, unable to sleep in his comfortable bed. You knew that? He said to Bramwell, and you haven't done anything? To this attack, Bramwell made excuses. First, we can't take on anything that, everything that ought to be done in the world. And second, we cannot be indiscriminately charitable. William was angry. And he responded, oh, I don't care about all of that stuff. I've heard it before. But go and do something. Do something, Bramwell. Do something. See, we're called to go and do something. And I can't tell you what that something is. That's for you and God to work out together. But each and every one of us as followers of Christ are called to go and do something. He wants to share his mission on earth with us. He wants us to go and do something. And I know that after looking at this series, it's really easy to be overwhelmed by all the injustices in the world, to sort of throw our hands up in the air and say, well, I can't solve all of them, so I'm not going to do anything. Perhaps it's someone else's job to solve those things. We have a social justice department for that, right? But it's not what we're called to do. And you know, I've been travelling for the last couple of weeks in Europe and the UK, and I love travelling for so many reasons. But one of the reasons that I love it, especially in a place that's culturally diverse, is that in all the different places in the world, the places that I went to, there are people that actually live there, right? I, I feel like there's people there and they go to work and they socialise and they go to school and university and church and 
out of all the places that I've been to, people are doing that all over the world, right? The world is just so big. And I can never get over that fact. Just like I do here at Wollongong, there's people all over the world going about their daily business. And I feel like I've only really seen a small glimpse of the world when we talk about how big the world is. It's so big and there's so many people in it and it always just blows my mind. And you know, you would think that this feeling would make me feel overwhelmingly insignificant. And perhaps at times it has. But I felt differently about it as I spent time with God. See, I can't solve all the injustice in the world, but I can love my neighbour. I can treat people around me with kindness and dignity. I can look out for people who have it worse than me. I can speak up for someone in my community or in my church who can't do it for themselves. And, you know, I think if every single person on the planet just did one of those things, our world would be transformed. If every single Christian on the planet just lived like Jesus, our world would be transformed. You know, maybe my life doesn't matter at all to a gondola driver in Venice or a waitress in Paris or a university student in London. But actually, collectively, human beings loving other human beings in their sphere transforms the world. Be compassionate with one another. Treat each other justly. Love your neighbour. Don't take advantage. Don't plot and scheme. Living like that changes our world, changes our communities, our families, our church. We can't fight every issue that threatens the well-being of the world on our own. But, you know, I think the words of William Booth are still totally relevant today. We're called to be 21st century Bramwells, to go and do something. We're all people who have been placed by God in this specific geographic location here in Wollongong to do his work here. We live and we work and we exist just like everyone else in this area. But hopefully, especially after this, this series, you should see that we have a different motivation, a different intention, an image of what this world is supposed to look like. And God wants each of us to go and to do something. You know, I hope over the course of this series, you've found at least one thing that you can do better to contribute to bringing God's kingdom to earth. Really, if you're just reading your Bible consistently, and maybe that's a good starting point for some of us, you'll know that there's nothing new here. It's all based on scripture. It's God's heart for his people. But it helps us, doesn't it, when we get a fresh perspective, maybe a fresh motivation, and hopefully it's activated something within you. Hopefully it's changed your heart towards others or at least reminded you of what actually matters in the kingdom. It's my prayer that we are never so caught up in religion here at Wollongong Salvos that we overlook a person who walks through those doors. I want to finish this morning by reading a verse because then I want us to spend some good time in prayer and reflection today. I want to finish with this verse from Amos 5, 21 to 24. And you know, as with many of the Old Testament verses that we've referred to over this series, it's, it's a reminder that God's heart for justice and for love for others, it's unchanging. It's repeated throughout scripture. It's always been what he wanted, what he asked his people to do. And it's always going to be. So it's up to us really to partner with him to get this stuff done in our world, 
to make sure that our relationships are right and our communities are set right so that our world looks more and more like his kingdom. Amos 5, 21 to 24 says this, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. See, God is not impressed with the front we present. He wants our hearts to be humbled before him. He wants us to treat the widow and the orphan and the excluded in the way that he would treat them. And that's where he wants our hearts to come to. So this morning we're going to reflect and we're going to sing that song once again that the band played for us earlier, I'll Not Turn Back. And it's my prayer this morning that as we look forward from this series that we won't turn back, that you will have realised something in the midst of all this discussion about social justice and how you can change how you live to better represent the kingdom in our world. And as we spend some time listening this morning, I invite you to pray. And we've got some cards down the front here this morning because I really want us to take something away from this series. And on the back of these cards, on the front it says, Kingdom Come. On the back it says, I will. And I'd love it if you reflected over this series and what's been happening in it. And maybe you want to write down one of these principles of justice. Maybe you want to write down that you're going to make a conscious effort to value people over religion and not to let that slip in your life. You can write down something else that you've learned over this series and then the action point, I will do this by. And you know, I believe that some of these commitments that we're going to make this morning are very, very simple ones. Perhaps for some of us who go to school or university, you're going to include the excluded by just sitting with that kid at lunchtime that has no friends. Perhaps confronting the powerful isn't approaching a political leader, but it's just standing up to someone who's putting other people down. Some of these actions can be simple this morning, but it's my prayer that collectively we join together and we do take action in moving forward, in making our community here at Wollongong Salvos reflect the kingdom. So just as we sing and as we pray this morning, I'd invite you to come. There's cards and pens and to write down what you're going to do, how you're going to move forward. And then you can take this, put it in your Bible or stick it on your fridge and be reminded for the weeks to come of how you've committed to bringing God's kingdom to earth here through Wollongong Salvos.